Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Long Legs, Daddy T. You know me, it's Teresa Lee. This is the intro. Wow, it's the part that comes before the podcast. Um, I will keep it brief. I'm very excited for this episode. Um, we're kind of back on schedule, so this is an updated new episode. Um, and actually, in between the, the last two weeks when we recorded this and when this is coming out today, when you're listening to it in your ears... My guest actually had her show nominated, or um, the lead actress, Anna Kendrick, which we talk about, and it's pretty neat, uh, was nominated for an Emmy. So, um, yeah, if that's not enough incentive to watch the show, if you haven't already, definitely listen to this podcast. She's hilarious. You will want to rush over and li- watch the show Dummy. It is on Quibi, and I know Quibi is like a hot word out here in the biz. Um, oh my god, I can't believe I said that. It was a joke, but you know, maybe you don't know me, and maybe you don't know it's a joke. So, if you don't know what Quibi is, that's okay, uh, because I will tell you, it is a streaming app. Yep, that's all it is. You can totally just download it on your from your app store. It's Q U I B I. And you can um, watch shows, including Cody's show called Dummy. Cody actually says this at the end, but I'm going to say it up top just in case, um, you know, you uh, miss it. Because it's at the very, very end when we do plugs. She so graciously said if anyone uh, really wants to watch this show or watch things on Quibi and really doesn't have the means, like if finance is the only thing stopping you, she has volunteered or offered to um, pay for a month of your subscription so reach out to her that's her offer it's very generous of her Um, obviously you know honor system but you guys are all very honorable this is an honorable podcast so I think that's really really sweet of her to do that Um, yeah I think that's awesome and uh, we had a great conversation Um, uh, I did want to take one moment before we get into the episode to just address some of the comments from last week Um, really really great engagement um never happened before where you know we've specifically had someone on that i really liked her story basically we i say we but it's me i found her story i really liked it you guys know the deal but she's not a comedian so obviously it was very political um she's just a 22 year old student i say tiktok star but she became a tiktok viral sensation after uh people doxed her basically so All I want to say, there might be new listeners, there might not be, Um, but generally speaking, um, we're just a place that mostly has comedians and is positive, Uh, and so I'm not really here to, um, you know, do any sort of, like, sitting on my pedestal, standing on my pedestal, you guys know what I mean. Um, Some of you who are such kind and loyal confidants are probably wondering what I'm talking about. Let's just say I got quite a lot of, uh, uh, you know, MAGA comments in my mentions and a lot of um, a lot of comments that weren't there for discourse. Uh, And and I'm not going to give them too much attention. A lot of them don't even have real pictures. But I actually uh, I am a simp. Okay, I'm going to say that now. You can put that on the record. I'm a simp and I responded to a few because really, I just really didn't want them to keep coming for Clara. She's literally like (laughs) this student who doesn't want to be in the public eye and just wanted to set her story straight but um they were just being so awful like they were literally making fun of the fact that she doesn't have a dad and she talks about how it was really hard you know having no living parents and then getting docs and all this and uh really eloquent and totally i think described her story really well um it was very balanced and nuanced point being i actually reached out to a few of these trolls i call them trolls because they did not actually engage in honorable discourse uh, because here and there I I get bored you know I'm in core and people respond with sort of things that sound like they have an opinion that they actually want to discuss and sometimes I respond so I did I responded and turns out they didn't actually want to argue they just wanted to pwn you know pwn pwn me pwn the libs Um, but this is how far I went I actually thought you know what I'm tired of yelling too because I hate yelling online and look yelling does didn't get me anywhere in life when I was yelled at. So I actually extended for to a few of them. I said, and actually I'm telling you guys this not for credit, but I, I'm actually, I mean this. If anyone's hate listening to this and you want to take me up on this offer, please. I said all of these like hateful comments. I was like, you know, I, I can tell that you're just mad. I don't think you're mad at Clara. I think you're angry. I think you're in pain. And let me not add to that because 
it's just going to reinforce whatever narrative you have of me. So I offered to buy them a cup of coffee. I offered to send a gift basket. I don't know. I thought a gift basket was funny. I like getting gift, gift baskets, but you know, you never need them, but they're nice to get. So I offered to send someone a gift basket. Uh, I said, you don't need to respond to this if you don't want it, but I really just want to no strings attached, do something nice for you. Because what I'm trying to sell, not sell, but what I'm trying to say is that compassion and empathy, I think, work better than being angry and screaming. So I didn't want to scream back. I just wanted to be compassionate. Does that mean I condone their behavior? No. I know this is when it gets controversial and people are like, that's an apologist thing to do. I just think, look, I really do believe in compassion and empathy. I don't believe in excusing bad behavior. Once again, does not excuse it. Still think consequences should be held. Uh, people should be held accountable for their actions, especially when they hurt people. But in this case, they were not hurting me um, in my mentions. So I thought, okay, it's not going to hurt me to offer a cup of coffee. And guess what happened? I was blocked. I was blocked. I don't know. So anyways, I, why do I try? Um, but this offer stands. If anyone is listening to this and you just like hate me for some reason, it's fine. You can even scream at me. Like I've literally said, please Venmo me $5 and you can yell whatever you want. Well, now I'm at, and someone Venmoed me and then said really nice things, which was really nice. But um, that wasn't the assignment. But thank you so much for doing that. But I'm now giving you a chance. I will give you money to yell at me. Okay. Because I just want you to know that I hear you. I hear that you're angry. Okay. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not here to debate if it's right or wrong. I'm not your mom. I'm not you. Only you and your heart know what's right for you. These are like anonymous people with fake profile pictures on the Twitter. Like it's not really, you know, in my best interest to completely take you under my wing and convince you of all my opinions, which many I probably will in two years disagree with. I just want you to feel good. And it seems like the worse you guys feel, the more you're screaming at 22 year olds on TikTok. And I just don't think that's very good for the future. So stop doing that. If you're really that angry, um, yeah, DM me and I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Please leave Clara alone. Please stop screaming at students and underage girls online. It's weird. Okay. I'm telling you it's weird. Stop doing that. Okay. <laughs> Can you believe this UCB comedy podcast? Um, I know. Okay. A few more announcements and then we'll get into it. Um, uh, we do, um, you know, we do start to get back into the swing of things talking about comedy content because I do want to sort of stay connected and keep things going. But um, all that being said, you know, don't I don't know I'm, this is like I I'm such a not political person I'm only political in that I think my entire existence is radical but I'm not so I don't know how to say this but I guess just don't go to sleep and <laughs> keep your eyes open okay shit is happening out there I told my bosses um to watch out for data safety because I think democracy is being threatened um granted I said this in like better words and more formally and I didn't mean this in like a scary way but then my my boss uh very concerned for my mental being was like are you okay do you are you in danger is there something we need to know about do you feel unsafe and I was like yeah I do feel unsafe but not shouldn't you everyone should feel unsafe have you read the news okay so um I don't know maybe you're in your glass castle and everything's fine but I will say um I am very alarmed, but that doesn't mean I'm going to give up. I'm going to keep going because I think part of um, part of having something to fight for is to keep that thing alive. So I, I want to live a positive life. Um, that's all to say, like, if right now you're not in the mood to listen to comedy stuff, uh, we keep it pretty light on this pod. So we're not really getting into, um, you know, the revolution here. So. Uh, but I do really care about that and that is still on my mind and uh, I feel like <laughs> I'm constantly telling you guys to donate to charity so I'm not going to even do that this time I know everyone here is doing the right thing and doing what they can um, but I just know that if you need someone to talk to you if you're feeling overwhelmed you can always email me tell me anything pod at gmail.com or call the number it's in the Apple podcast description uh, reminder you can subscribe to the Apple podcast if you have not already and definitely give me a five-star rating. Um, it definitely helps boost the algorithm, especially now that we're getting um, sort of into this broader terrain outside of comedy. Um, it would definitely help get the word out because um, I love you guys. I love doing this. But, you know, I also am a whiny little bitch and I enjoy validation. So 
if you enjoy it, <laughs> maybe give me a nice word. Okay, that's pretty much it. If you want to join the Discord conversation, that link is in the Instagram at Tell Me Anything Pod. Without further delay, here is our episode with Cody Heller. She is so, so funny. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to her. Such an interesting life. She actually reveals many secrets. Um, and so this is quite a joy. Enjoy, and don't forget to watch Dummy on Quibi out now. You can tell her, you can tell her anything, she's a real good listener, you can tell her anything. Hi, this is Teresa, you're listening to You Can Tell Me Anything, this is the podcast where comedians tell me something they want to get off their chest. Um, and today I have a very special guest. She's the creator of the show Dummy on Quibi, and she also wrote on Wilfred, co-created Deadbeat, and was a co-EP on Kidding, um, which I'm an Ariana Grande fan, so that's, you know, really why I watch that. Um, give it up for Cody Heller. Hey, guys. How's it going? First of all, I do want to, okay, well, actually, I want to ask for the good confession, um, but before that, just because I already gave away my love of Ariana, did you get to meet her? How was, like, did you get to work with her? I, unfortunately, so I worked on Kidding season one, and then I was working on Kidding season two when Dummy got greenlit mm. to go into production, so I left before production of season two. So I did not gotcha. get to meet Ariana Grande, <laughs> um, but uh, I'm sh- I've heard lovely things. I'm I'm close with all the all the kidding <laughs> people, and I've heard lovely things about her. Um, and but that was a very fun show to work on, um, especially because Michelle Gondry directed like mm-hmm. most of the episodes, and obviously Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind as like a film you know school kid back in the day. That was like my you know, the, the movie that I looked at is like <laughs> the ultimate what I want to create someday. So I got to work really closely with him, which was awesome. Jim Carrey. It was, it was a great, it was a great fun show, but no, I did not meet, to, I did not get to meet Ariana. I'm sorry. That's, I mean, it's, is, it Ariana? That's a, is it Ariana or I guess Ariana? It's Ar- uh, Ariana. She, they call her or Ari, Ari heads. Now I'm like, am I a real fan? I call I say Uh-oh. Ariana, but I think you might be right. It might be Ariana. I don't know. I don't know. I, but she seems <laughs> lovely. She seems incredible. Well, your excuse is good because you ended up going to make your own show, which is even cooler. Um, but before we get into that, I also like to start with a good confession just to have a positive note to start on. And we definitely need it now. So is there something good you want to confess? I mean, I guess you kind of covered it, which is that I made a Quibi, a show on Quibi. Um, it's a humble brag though, because, you know, a lot of people are shitting on Quibi. (laughs) And so I, it's been this weird time where I'm like, I'm really proud of the show I made. It was really, you know, the most fulfilling, amazing, creative experience of my life. And it was my show and so great. And then it comes out and now like, there's all these people shitting on the platform. So that's been kind of a bummer, but I'm Mm -hmm. embracing it and learning and also, you know, it's the most champagne problem of the entire <laughs> universe. So um, I made a Quibi. I'm a proud Quibi creator. And, um, you know, I, like I was telling you before we got started, I'm from the Valley originally. And mm. I've always like rejected my roots of like being from the <laughs> Valley. Like I was like being a Valley girl, it has all these kind of negative connotations. And I just like wanted to be from somewhere else in LA. And then now I'm back in the Valley embracing my roots. And I feel like it's the same thing with Quibi where like, you know, people are going to hate, but it's who I am. I made a fucking Quibi, <laughs> y'all. I made a Quibi. I will say, I mean, it. you should be proud of making a show no matter what. And I, I think most people making fun of Quibi aren't. I've never heard anybody making fun of the content um, because it is just so as a comedian fun to just like it's it's a low hanging fruit. But I think most of it is just like the poll quotes that Jeffrey Katzenberg has said in media. Um, yeah. Some yeah. of them are fun to make no, fun of, but totally not the content. I, I totally get it. And, you know, it's all... Some of it's framing, too. I think there was an article that they pulled a quote where he said, I blame everything on the pandemic. I, everything. Yeah, and it's like, good. okay, that yeah. he didn't... I think that was like a misquote or something. <laughs> my, I have to say, my experience personally with Jeffrey Katzenberg has been, like, pretty amazing. He... Mm-hmm to his credit from the beginning like read these insane scripts and like Mm -hmm. understood and got what I was going for and was so supportive and cool and really let me have complete creative control which is you know very very rare 
Um, and so I really like as much as he's, you know, getting shit on on Twitter or whatever right now, but like, I love the man because he let me make the show I wanted to make and made it a reality and believed in me. And like, it, it was pretty, it was pretty goddamn cool. Yeah. And it's really fun show. So for, for people who haven't um, watched it yeah, definitely go watch it. But it's, um, let me see. I'm sure you have your better way of explaining, but because I love robots, I'm going to try to, my best to explain this. It's, Okay, but she's not a robot. But she, yes, she's not a so robot, okay. but she um, she is a sex doll. Yeah. But I talk a lot about robots that are in in the general sphere of AI and and sex yes. bots and all that. So I, for my listeners, it's she's not a robot in the in our world sense, but she's a robot in my sense of being able to program empathy using technology, which is the feminine view of technology, which I feel like men talking about the singularity always leave out. Um, so I really like yeah. that your show takes in th that into account. So she's a, um, the main character, Cody, it finds her boyfriend's sex doll and becomes friends with her. And at first it's like this shocking discovery because it's like, oh no, she's like this doll version of me, but she's like, you know, plastic and perfect and a sex doll, literally. But then they become friends and have this very beautiful friendship and uh, learn a lot about each other. So it's very fun. Um, you nailed you nailed it. That's right. <laughs> well, can I ask though? So because the I'm sure I'm guessing the robot thing comes up. Is that a point of contention? And is there in your mind what is the difference to make that differentiation? Well, I just remember when I first wrote the pilot, which was now like four maybe more years ago. It was just around the time where like robot sex dolls were starting mm. to get introduced like on the market, and I was like, fuck. I really want to make this show before sex dolls are a real thing that are like commonplace because the whole point of the show wouldn't work if if the doll is a robot then anyone can hear her talk. Mm -hmm. But what's so special about this show is their or their relationship is that Cody, the character named after me, played by Anna mm -hmm. Kendrick, is the only one who can hear Barbara, the sex doll. So everyone else just sees this inanimate sex doll made out of plastic, but. Cody can hear her and mm -hmm. which I think to your point earlier, like men, it's so easy for men to objectify, but women automatically humanize. So mm -hmm. like this whole thing was based on our, my real life. When I first started dating my now fiance, you know, almost five years ago, it came out that he had a sex doll. We were being like super open and honest about all of our kinks and fetishes and all this stuff. And it came out that he had a sex doll. And I was just like, I'm sexually evolved and a liberated woman. I'm a feminist. I don't care. Like, it's just like porn. Who cares? Like I, uh -huh. I'm open to all that. It doesn't matter. And then like the longer we were together and the more time I was spending at his house, I found myself like thinking about her all the time and being like, <laughs> what closet is she in? And like, where is she? Uh -huh. And just becoming obsessed with this idea of her and humanizing her. Mm -hmm. Whereas Dan to her, him, it was just this object that he was like, do you want me to get rid of it? It's not a big deal at all. Like I got this before I, like I have a foot fetish. I mostly use it for the feet. My dog chewed up my mannequin legs. So I got this instead. Like to him, it was not a big deal. And to me, I was like, no, don't get rid of it. Because to me, that felt like me, like a personal failure. Like I could not like deal with this jealousy of this inanimate object that I couldn't help but humanize her and think about her that way. And then it all kind of came together when I was writing anything. And I was just like, I'm going to write about this just for fun because it was clearly tormenting me. <laughs> and uh, and then it became it became a pilot script. Well, it's becoming so, so much more and more relevant because, I mean, you, you kind of challenge this idea of like, well, you know, we talk about like, what's the difference between porn and then when it's live but then you know some men will say well like that didn't mean anything but obviously where we are now in the present we'll still draw those lines in traditional relationships um if it's like a person even if some they claim it doesn't mean anything but we're now getting to a point where our phones have our you know our bots in a way and can substitute for um these kinds of interactions and sometimes on the other end of that there is a person but is that really who they are? They might just be sharing this piece of them. They might be programming or it might literally be programmed by a team of, you know, so it, it kind of right. gets into these questions um, through a very, you know, eloquent uh, story. So, I mean, I think about this a lot. So I think this was like when uh, when I saw this, I was like, oh, my God, I got to watch this. So I love that you take it very personal, but then it inspires all these other um, questions. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I also saw, so I saw that you had written about psychics as well. And I wanted to ask about that because I think the idea of Cody um, sort of talking to Barbara, to me, I almost like, I, I like to look sometimes from this like psychological lens where 
it's the best way to ruin comedy, but um, she <laughs> kind of projects herself onto the doll and it's this way of kind of dealing, like looking at yourself, but you know, using an object to kind of examine your own insecurities without feeling like it's so personal. And I often think uh, with psychics and mediums and tarot and that sort of thing, which I love, um, I often think that's also another way of projecting your inner thoughts onto something that feels outside of yourself. So I'm curious if through your work, that's like a theme that comes up a lot and, or have you ever made that connection? Well, I'll, I'll say a couple things. Um, number one, I think you're totally right on. Like to me, Barbara, the sex doll sort of represents or does represent the inner voice that every woman, every person, but specifically women, I think have that inner voice in their head, that inner critic that tells them they're not pretty enough. They're not smart enough. They're not funny enough. As a writer, it's even more intense. I, I feel for me of like, you know, every time I try to write, it's just this inner critic being like, that's a shitty, you're a terrible <laughs> writer, that's awful. So Barbara sort of became the id to Cody's ego and they're kind of one in the same, they're part of the same person. And the story really, you know, is about kind of like learning to love that inner voice mm -hmm. and learning to accept it and learning to be friends with yourself. And something that my therapist always says to me when I'm going through a hard time is like, would you say, would you talk that way to young Cody? Would you say that kind of stuff to your like younger self? And I'm like, no, of course not. And she's like, so why are you saying it to yourself? And so, you know, Barbara represents all the harsh, inner critic, rude, terrible things that every woman I think says to herself throughout the day all the time, but throughout their journey, they sort of bond and learn to love each other and, and become friends. And it's sort of about befriending your own, your own inner self and um but as for psychics and tarot and all that shit i am very much into i'm like <laughs> I, it's weird like if you asked me a couple years ago i might be like no i'm not really i don't buy it like when i wrote deadbeat i definitely was more like it's you know satirical making mm. fun of this like the one of the, the the medium the main medium is real but like there's a fake psychic woman who's like just doing a whole scam but interestingly my grandmother, who's now since passed on, but my mom's mom was this amazing woman, Alice. And she, in her later years, got really into astrology. Okay. And she would do everyone, like she was very social and everyone loved her and she would do everyone's charts. And so I remember like, whenever I would get like a new boyfriend, I would call her and be like, grandma, Alice, <laughs> like he was born on this day. And what do you like, can you do our charts and see if we're going to work out? And then this is sort of like a fabled thing that I still to this day don't know if it's really true, but I, I like to believe that Ooh, it's true. I can't wait. I love I'm, that. My mom, um, I have a sister who's eight years older than me. So my mom had to have a cesarean section with her. So when she got pregnant with me, she knew she'd have to have the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I guess how they do it is they give you like a two week time frame to make an appointment and you come in and get your baby out. And so the legend has it in my family that my grandma Alice chose my birthday. Wow. So anytime I have like any good luck, I'm always like, grandma Alice, grandma Alice. <laughs> but I will tell you this funny thing that happened recently. A friend of mine, I think everyone has been, you know, probably all feeling the same way during quarantine of just like soul searching and then uh -huh. everything with BLM, just we're all doing a lot of like reflect self-reflection and just like figuring shit out and all of that. But I was like, you know, I, my friend said that she had this Zoom psychic reading and it was amazing. And like, she talked to her dead grandmother and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I want to do that. That sounds so fun. So I did it. Wow. And I was totally expecting Grandma Alice to show up because she's obviously like into all that shit. And like, I expected her to show up and for us to like have a whole thing. So when the psychic reading starts, he's like, he starts saying stuff. And I'm like, this doesn't sound like Grandma Alice. And he's like. <laughs> He's like, you know, I'm seeing a cop car and he's describing this stuff. And I'm like, oh, Grandpa Harry. And it's like my, my grandpa that like I was not very close with and kind of didn't really like that much. And it was Grandpa Harry was there. And so I kept trying to sort Wait, of was like, he a cop like, or what was the cop car? He was a cop. Yes, wow. he, was a, he was a New York cop, cop back in the, you know, 40s, whenever he's my dad's father. And uh and so Grandpa Harry is like appearing in this psychic wow. thing. And I'm sort of like trying to like pivot and be like, okay, it's really great to talk to you, Grandpa. <laughs> like, is Grandma Alice around? Like, is there anyone else from the family that wants to like say anything right now? And the <laughs> How do you hang like, up on a ghost? <laughs> and, 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 uh, and the psychic is like, no, Grandpa Harry's still here. Like he really needs to talk about something. 
And then I sort of let loose and I was like, look, grandpa, it's like, I love you, man. But like, I didn't know you that well. I heard that like, you kind of, you know, were a little abusive maybe to Mm -hmm. my dad. I know that was like back in the day that was like normal and whatever, but like, and then the psychic like stops and he's like, oh my God. Okay. Hold on a second. He's like, I've never, this actually never happened to me before, but, um, the spirit, he's, he's crying. He's, he's very upset. He's very upset. And I was like, Oh no, grandpa, no, no, no. I'm sure everyone beat people with belts back then. That was like normal. Like we love you. Like everything's fine. And like it, like literally the only way to get grandpa Harry to stop crying was for me to say, look, grandpa, I love you. And if I wind up having a kid, I'll, I'll name it. I'll name him or her after you. Wow. And now I'm like, if That's I a big a kid, commitment. Better be. I think. I think Harry Heller for a girl is like a pretty badass name. That, like, that's a right. cool girl's name. My my um. That's so funny. My my little brother's name was Harry, and I I don't meet a really? lot of Harrys. Yeah. So I love it. I love that name. I yeah. well, I was always confused because like with my grandpa, I always like. I'm from California, so I say Harry, Harry, Harry. Uh-huh. But like my New York cousins, they say like Harry. Like they pronounce it slightly differently. Oh, a little like British Harry. almost, like. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like, like well, Harry if I have a kid named, is it just Harry or is it like ha- Harry, Harry, Harry? It's also, I think I say Harry, but I also Harry. think a lot of um, the older or more senior Harry's, it's short for something. So, so like Harold, like yeah. Harold or Harrison. But yeah, we just yeah. named my brother straight up Harry, which I always thought was kind of I funny. Love, but. <laughs> I love that. No, if I have a kid, it's going to be Harry Heller. It has to be now because I made this pact <laughs> with Grandpa Harry. That is a great name God. for a girl. Yeah. Um, that's, I love that story. Okay. Well, I think, I feel like we have already gotten into the confessions, but Cody, what, is there something you want to tell me or should we keep talking about this? I mean, there's so much I can go I mean, off of I this. have, okay. I have some confessions. One of them is like, I think I would get arrested for, so I'm not <laughs> Gosh. It. It's like, okay. I really do want to say it, but I like, I'm worried about getting arrested. Okay. Maybe, okay, maybe for your next Quibi. Well, you can fictionalize is, that. <laughs> this is one that I'm like, it's not like I've never told anyone, but it's not something that I've like shared widely, mm-hmm. which is that when I was a kid, I had a habit of like faking a lot of injuries. Like, so I one time wanted a cast really bad. Like okay. I for some reason really wanted like glasses and braces and cast. Like, I guess it was just a desperate need for attention, but like <laughs> I wanted these things that like most people would be like, I don't want braces, but I'd be like, I want, Oh my God, are you kidding? Like I want a headgear. I'm, I'm going to like, I fucking want a neck gear all day long. Give it to me. So, were you, uh, you were the youngest or I know you, so you said you had older sister. Okay. So yes, probably some of it was a function of like seeing my older sister Sloan have like her retainer and think that that's like a cool teenage thing and be like, mm-hmm. I want that. But I basically had a series of like several different incidents where like one time I was playing handball at school and I just completely lied and said that like the ball hit my wrist in a weird way. And I like said it really hurt. And I went to the nurse's office. My parents were called. We went to the hospital. I don't, to this day, I don't know how I got away with this, but like they did an x-ray and everything. Nothing was wrong. I was not injured in any way, but I just kept complaining that I was hurt until they gave me a cast. And I wound up having this cast. First, it was just like a cast that went up to the elbow. And I remember like being so stoked about it. It was, it was purple and it smelled really good. You can get signatures. That was like a cool thing. I remember that. Having a cast is cool. (laughs) And I had like all my friends sign it. And then I remember that first night I went to sleep and like the next morning I woke up and the sheets were all covered in marker because it wasn't, (laughs) they hadn't signed it in permanent marker. It was just like that, whatever that like Mr. Smelly marker. Um, But so then that, that broke, that fake broken wrist turned into like, I think for about a year I had a cast. Like after wow. I got the elbow elbow one taken off, I was like, you know, it still really hurts. And so then they gave me one of those perma bend ones that starts at the oh shoulder and goes all the way down. And I had that for a while. And like, I don't know why I wanted this. I still don't know to this day. And then I faked like, I... Wait, I want to talk a little bit about the cat. I, I mean, I feel yeah, like yeah. there's so much, but this is, yeah. well... First of all, my first thought, because you wrote a show about a sex doll and then you were literally covering yourself in uh, cast. I just thought that's a funny yeah. image. You're almost turning yourself into a mannequin. From- <laughs> but um, you know what's really, you know what interesting like side fact? Uh-huh. You know the mo- you know the movie Mannequin from the 80s? Uh-huh. I haven't seen it, but I'm more 
whatever, uh-huh. it's this, it, whatever Kim controls in it. It's, it's pretty like fun to watch nowadays, but, um, my writing instructor in college, I, I majored in, in directing, but I took a few writing courses and my writing instructor wrote Mannequin. Oh, wow. And I didn't even, I didn't even put it together until like I was making Dummy and I was like, oh my God, Mannequin. <laughs> and my, my amazing um, sound woman on Dummy, um, Mary Jo Devaney, who's like the most amazing woman in the world, who's been around forever and is just the coolest chick ever. She was the sound person on Mannequin. Oh, wow. It was like this crazy, yeah. Anyway, but yes, you make a good point. I want to be plastic. I want to be plastic <laughs> even back then. I still do. Well, there's um, something about, so I'm, I'm curious too, in terms of, I mean, you got, you kind of in that moment got what you wanted, which was the attention yeah. and the, and also being believed, right? Cause that's part of it too, which honestly, even when I do have real pain going to a doctor as a woman, most of the time yeah. it's like, you might not be believed. So yeah. you sort of right off the bat were believed and got the affection you were looking for. So I could see how addicting that would be to continue doing that. Um, I'm but curious- I do think like uh-huh. years later, I feel like I finally like told my parents like, yeah, what was that, that was like? Do they know? And I think they, I think they were like, yeah, we knew. We just were going through the divorce, and we wanted to throw you a uh, bone, and you know, whatever. Like they kind of knew. But I did the same thing with with braces, where like I complained that my teeth hurt to huh. the point where I was way too young to have braces. I didn't have my grown up teeth in yet. I still had baby teeth. Oh wow! But I I put up such a fuss that they pulled out my four front baby teeth waited for the adult teeth Aww. to grow in to give me braces so by the time I got like by the time I was done with braces all my <laughs> friends were just starting to get braces because wow. I like did it so early and I think that was a function of like wanting to be like my sister who mm-hmm. was a teenager and like had braces that I feel um, like the braces thing I definitely remember being a thing because the, a like, lot of the was, cool girls had like, them and the yeah, yeah the rubber bands I, 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 and I remember I would do like, I, I was more about the retainer. I knew that the braces were like a necessary step to the retainer, but I remember I used to put like chewed gum on the roof of my mouth and then I would take a, um, paper clip and straighten it out and put it in front to make it look like I was running a wow. retainer. I thought it was so badass. That's so funny. Um, yeah. By the time yeah. I got a retainer, they had transitioned into the Invisalign. So I never had oh, one of those, I but I, those. I do remember seeing yeah. that. Remember like, the ones that were like straight across. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so funny. I mean, okay. So you, you dropped the bomb about the divorce, which I feel like we can't ignore. It had something to do with you wanting attention at the time. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, is that something, yeah. a connection you drew before or were you just making that in the moment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I knew that that was part of it was like at, at, around the same time as the divorce was when I started like seeking out these, these physical mm-hmm. uh, ailments to get attention. Had you seen um, sort of like. I mean, I feel like definitely the the trope of someone, you know, getting hurt and getting a lot of attention in a cast is we all have had that friend in elementary school who did something dumb and then all of a sudden got all the flowers. But do you remember if there was like a moment or some a friend or a neighbor or someone like that where you're like, oh, that's a way to get or or did it just kind no, of pop up I and never, out of nowhere? Was, honestly, I don't think at the time I was aware of it being a thing about attention. It was really more about like the accessorizing like Mm. I thought a cast looked cool I thought braces looked cool like it was about and like I wanted glasses I wanted (laughs) like all these things to make me feel and it goes back to your robot thing like I was I guess I was uncomfortable in my own skin trying to find ways to modify myself and I give myself an identity Mm. in a way where it's like oh the girl with the cast like it's something that kind of gives you this automatic identity and maybe that's Mm. what I was searching for that's Um, so interesting I have it so I have an identical twin sister and I and um we've always sort of grown I mean growing up we were always trying to differentiate ourselves but I would even though I'm older I would often try to she was the one who would want to do things like braces and then I wouldn't want it till she got it and I would get it because if she was getting braces I would get it but um what you said reminded me Sorry. Wait, sorry, can I just interrupt? Is she who's who's older <laughs> by how many seconds or minutes or whatever? I'm older by two minutes, and she's um she's a musician, so we're both creative, but she doesn't do comedy. Okay. But she um when she got chicken pox, I remember feeling I mean it's different than the cast but I remember being jealous that I didn't have chicken pox and we had read books about it in school and it was one of those things the books are supposed to make you feel better about getting it but then if you read the books first you almost 
glorify the experience yeah Yeah, and you didn't get it even though you were like in the same house and um, so I had heart surgery as a baby and she didn't. So the I think my, my parents said they think because I got blood donated as a kid that I had immunity. Oh, the yeah, so I never got it. I mean, they were literally like, well, you might as well get it. So they didn't, you know, quarantine yeah. me from her, but I didn't get it. And I, I remember lying and saying I was itchy because <laughs> I also wanted the oatmeal bath and I'm sure they would have just been like sure you can still have it but instead of um, just saying I want the oatmeal bath and attention I was like I'm also itchy I think I'm getting chicken pox and I never it never oh um, fully you know I never actually got it so <laughs> I can't imagine having a twin is such a fascinating like are you guys close now what's your relationship does she live in LA what's your deal? yeah we um so we are close we are actually living together I mean and we don't have to get into this at all so the the log line of this is we are currently because of quarantine a lot of past trauma came up so right now she's moved out and we're but we're on like good terms in terms of like both wanting to work it out but we're that close yeah. where we are now 30 years old and we're like I think we still act like children around each other so yeah. we should probably figure that out um but wow. yeah <laughs> I know quarantine funny. brings up a lot I think um yeah <laughs> uh are you and your sister close we are she lives in Kansas City so it sucks because she's far away but we talk all the time we're super close um we she has two she's married and she has two kids and I have a niece and a nephew that I am so into especially the niece who's like reminds me of me she like loves eating and it's just mm-hmm. like little things where I'm like oh my god she's so me and I definitely now I'm like I maybe want kids I don't know I like still don't know I know I have to now to name one of them Harry for my grandfather or else his soul will be damned for all eternity but being around my niece and nephew like especially me and my now fiance we um when we're around them there's like moments where we're like oh my god we just obviously have to have kids like look how fun this is and then there's moments where we're like never in a million years this is awful I, I need to sleep right now this is a fucking nightmare um but yeah my sister and I are super close I love her it's such a bummer right now being far away from her I'm looking into like maybe renting like a camper and mm. just uh, me and Dan and the three dogs like just driving out there and spending like a month there or something because we're you know all working over zoom anyway and I I miss I miss them yeah, that's nice. Yeah, hopefully I didn't make you too sad bringing that up. No, but, um, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, um, okay, so what other injuries? So we talked about the cast, and it's, you sounded like you had, like, a whole slew that came up after that. I had, a, I was into horseback riding as a kid for a while. Um, it started off as, like, my name is Cody, so it was, like, more of a, of a Western mm-hmm. thing. Like, I embraced being, like, you know, like, a Western kind of girl. But then I like got seriously into horseback riding for a tiny bit and like took lessons and was into it. And one time I fell off the horse, it was not a bad fall at all, <laughs> like totally got up and was fine, but pretended that my knee really hurt and got crutches. I really wanted crutches. Wow. So that's, uh, I wanted so crutches. Extreme. I thought crutches were so cool. Did you ever um, actually um, try to get a, hurt or did, was it always no. like reactionary like well, in the moment? The, the day before when I really wanted braces, I knew I had like a dental cleaning appointment coming up. So for the days coming up to that, I remember sucking my thumb a lot because I heard that sucking your thumb leads to like your teeth being crooked and needing braces. But I didn't naturally suck my thumb as a kid. But the, here I was at like, however, I wa- however old I was, like eight years old, like sucking my thumb a ton to thinking that in the next couple of days, that's going to do anything. Um, but yeah, it was the braces, the crutches, the arm cast. Wow. Oh, and then when I, when I got the braces, I also got a headgear slash neck gear that was only supposed to be worn at night, but I wore it during the day to school too. Cause I liked being made fun. Of. I liked when people would make fun of me. Like wow. I liked people, I, I liked feeling like an underdog, I guess. Like people would be like making fun of me and I'd be like, I don't care. Like I look cool in it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what my, I was, I was a fucking weird kid as probably every single kid is. But, um, but yeah, I think that was the extent of all of my, my faked injuries. I don't think it's that. Well, it's, it's one manifestation of, uh, a relatable thought. Cause I don't think it's that weird where it came from, but I guess it is an extreme version of 
kids wanting to control their environment and be able to, I mean, it, and it works. I mean, it's, it's, it's Munchausen's, mm-hmm. right? Like not by proxy, but just regular <laughs> Munchausen's. Like I just wanted the attention. Yeah. And in a way um, it wasn't like, I mean, I'm sure now we've evolved in the mental health sphere to be able to talk about like emotional, you know, pain and needs, but you, it wasn't that you weren't suffering. It seems like as a child without the resources to talk about your, you know, emotions, you probably were feeling something and you didn't know how to say like, I'm sad or I'm this. So it's easier to be like, well, I fell and they'll know what to do if I say my wrist hurts yeah. and I'll get a cast and I'll feel like it's getting better. And yeah. it's almost like this, like, um, externalizing your internal feelings where, yeah. I mean, obviously all children go through emotions. So it's not that you were, it doesn't sound to me, even though I just met you, that you were just like a psychopath trying to fake injuries it sounded like you were maybe needing something and that was the way you helped yourself get it yes yes I think that is I think that's an accurate assessment um I also wrote down another another secret okay let's hear it (laughs) okay so and whatever this is kind of dumb but I just was like oh this is something that I remember from my childhood that like I wonder if I'm the only person who had this really specific thing or if a lot of other people had it or probably not but you know I find that I I obviously from my show dummy I talk very openly about sex stuff I think it's really important I think our culture is so full of shame when it comes to sex that like it causes so many more problems than Mm -hmm. necessary if we just like I mean if you go on Pornhub the top like category is incest but like no one will admit and be like yeah I watched that they're like embarrassed it's like no that's so shameful but it's like no it's a taboo fantasy it doesn't mean you actually want to fuck your family it's whatever mm-hmm. so but the point is like I'm I I like to explore sexuality in all of its fullness and mm-hmm. and so I think back a lot to like when I was a kid and you know I feel like in in media there's always jokes about like boys jerking off and like oh mm-hmm. you got a teenage boy that means the sheet is going to be hard as a rock covered in cum <laughs> like you know what I mean just like all these jokes but you don't really I mean except for book smart which I thought was so brilliant oh, yeah. and amazing and the way that they did that I was like that is amazing <laughs> and I wish that that was around when I was a teenager um but it, you know like female masturbation isn't as dealt with mm-hmm. as commonly as, as male masturbation. And I, I find that like when I'm talking to my girlfriends and referring back to my past experiences, like girls masturbate a lot, mm-hmm. like a lot as kids, probably more than boys and like at a younger age too. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I have tons of memories of like discovering my body at a very young age. And so it made me think that before, like, I had a very specific masturbation technique as a young kid (laughs) that I'm like, how did I, number one, how did I think of it? I have Mm -hmm. no idea. I just remember it very clearly that I, I would keep a pen next to my bed, just like a regular pen with a cap Uh on it. And this is like really graphic, but this is what the show is about, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. I can say this. No, yeah, this, we've talked about, very open. There's no, um, no, so I would take the pen and I would just like gently like tap the like the the cap of the pen uh-huh. against my clit over and over again and I'm like oh my god I, I basically invented a vibrator <laughs> as a kid like this was my makeshift this was like my way of and uh and I'm that's very, very like, like yeah that's okay. a very engineering move to do I mean yeah, uh, as a child very, yeah <laughs> yeah because I also I mean my parents had a jacuzzi like Uh we had like a bath that had jets in it and I remember very early discovering (laughs) that situation and being like I'm gonna park myself here for the next two hours and I'm good (laughs) and like I was all about that but the pen technique was something that like I hadn't really thought like that's more advanced than even college boys like I feel like it took men till like 25 to even figure out where the clit was so yes (laughs) exactly um, so yeah, that's my other, my other secret. Very interested if any of, if any of the fans of this, of the pod ever dabbled in the pen technique, very <laughs> curious to hear, or if it was simply something of my own creation, I recommend trying it. You just literally dab, you just, you know, kind of tap the end of a closed pen against your clit over and over again until you come. And, you know, a lot of pe- if the pen's out of ink, it's a good way to recycle the pen. So exactly. it's actually Thank very you. good it's for about, the environment. It's about the environment yep. more than anything. <laughs> That's what it really is. I think it's very clever. Um, yeah, I didn't, th- I don't think I knew the word masturbation till I was 
maybe in, I mean I knew for men but I just for some reason it's weird now to be like I thought only men did it like yeah. the definition was so linked to like the act of jerking off a penis that I didn't even consider like oh it just means like pleasuring yourself yeah so I didn't yeah. know that was a thing for women um wow. which is pretty wild because I I also like similar yeah with my stuffed animals and whatever but like I just it wasn't something I would label and then you wouldn't now, know what that was you just yeah. did it but it wasn't like a thing yeah yeah. I like something you were saying earlier reminded me of a scene in Dummy because there's um, a scene where Cody's in the car with Barbara and um, they're talking about having a or she's saying you're not a feminist. She says, because I hear you do like um, like daddy fantasies. She's like, it doesn't yeah. mean I actually want to fuck my dad. But it was yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a very funny scene because then she goes, do I I didn't I don't want to fuck my dad. But it's kind of puts out into the world this idea. It's like when people have these fantasies, we obviously know that's not real, but you right. also don't even want to get to the point where you ask yourself that. So you almost stay right. away. You put these things in your head. You put these own judgments in your head yeah. immediately, which causes you to be like scared of these things. And when in reality, shame. it's yeah. like, no, there's such a difference between a fantasy world of taboo and mm-hmm. like this. And I think that, you know, something that's like super, controversial is like age play and Mm. like the idea of like daddy daughter age play and it's like I personally don't have a problem with it because I believe that there is a firm and like very distinct line drawn between fantasy and reality and Mm -hmm. like they're those are completely different things and I know that's like a controversial topic and I've I've read up on that and been like that's really interesting I think that I feel like if I mean, this is like making like a really intense political statement that I'm probably <laughs> shouldn't be making. But like, I feel like pedophilia would be way less of like a fucking insane, crazy issue if people would be open with their like consensual adult partners mm. and say like, hey, I have this fantasy about mm-hmm. whatever. Can we role play this? But it's like because that is so scary for people to be able to say like, oh, I have this sexual fantasy, which has nothing to do with reality. I don't want to actually Mm -hmm. fuck a kid. There's just something about this particular idea that it turns me on in this moment. Um, Yeah, I I just think it's all fascinating to like take apart and be like, where where are we going wrong with like how much shame has Mm -hmm. affected sexuality, especially here in the States? Well, I think I think that's really well said. I want to add on to that because um, this is maybe more of a recent realization, but I think so much of the shame and like lies and, um, uh, you know, emotional abuse and all this stuff that happens in the world is not because someone's inherently bad, but it's because someone's ignoring the truth. So I think if someone had a fantasy like that, just because they don't say it doesn't mean they don't have it, right? So without any judgment on like whether it's good or bad or whatever, where it comes from, if it is the truth, just ignoring it doesn't make it go away. Exactly. I think to to address it as a reality, yeah. I totally agree. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. And like for me, especially with writing Dummy, it was like these things were eating away at me, these insecurities. And I found that like, I really was able to free myself of so much shame by being like putting it out there all the things Mm -hmm. that I was insecure about just putting it out there on the page and being like I feel like I'm a bad writer I feel like I'm not hot enough I feel like Dan's sex doll is better than me I feel like he loves her more than me like all these things that were going through my head that were so shameful and private Mm -hmm. and like just within my own head kind of just you know, walking around and pacing <laughs> through the day. And I was like, I got to do something about this. And as soon as it became this thing that I was like, no, I can share this publicly and talk about it. And some people will relate, some people won't, but that in itself was very freeing and like just healing in a way too. Yeah. That was going to be my follow-up question. Um, but how, what did you learn anything as you're, cause sometimes when you're writing yourself as a character, I know it's not actually you, but it's inspired from you you can look at it almost like another person. Did you learn anything from making your character grow that informed, you know, your real life instead of the other? I mean, I I know often we'll write about what we have learned, but were there reverse sort of moments like that? I mean, it was weird because when I first wrote like the original pilot, I was so early on in dating Dan. It was like within the first six months to a year of us dating. Mm -hmm. So really the power dynamic of him being this very successful and for people who don't know Dan Harmon, he created Community and Mm -hmm. co-creator of Rick and Morty. He's like a very prolific TV uh, writer, producer that like someone like me 
looked up to and was like, oh my God, I, to one day be anything like him would be so amazing. And then I was dating him. So very like, you know, insecure about that. Um, but I think the very act of like writing this thing, sorry, I kind of got ahead of myself. Going back to like, I wrote this thing very early on in the relationship when our dynamic was very different. But weirdly uh-huh. enough, me creating this thing and then actually making it and being the showrunner and doing it <laughs> is the thing that made us equals now in a way. I mean, he's still obviously so uh-huh. much more prolific than me, but like it's the thing that made me trust myself as a mm. writer and as a creative on my own and not see him as this like God mm. on a pedestal that I'm like, oh my God, I'm so lucky to be with you. And more just like, oh, we write, we both are writers. We write very different stuff, but like whatever. Uh-huh. But it was the act of like going through the process of making this thing that I think in a way, not cured, but like helped to mm. bring our relationship to the next level and eliminate some of that like toxicity that I was probably harboring beforehand because of that fear of not being good enough or wanting him to approve or validate Mm. me. And now it's like, now I never, you know, in the early (laughs) on, I would like go to him with drafts and be like, what do you think about this? Do you have any notes? And now I'm like, I would never do that because first of all, I, we write different things and I don't want his advice. Like, even though he has tons of great advice all the time, it's like, no, I need to trust my own voice on Mm. this. And also I'm just like, that our relationship is a totally separate thing and it thrives the best when work is kept out of it. And mm-hmm. like, we just evolved and now it's, you know, we've been, we've been together almost five years. I, um, I proposed to him, oh. um, in, uh, December of 2018. He's going to take my last name, which That's I think awesome. is <laughs> something that I, something that, you know, to me, I've never been like a person who cared Mm-hmm. that much about like getting married or having kids and now I'm like maybe I will have kids because of, cause of the Harry Heller thing whatever but <laughs> I was never really sure and, right like, a I've ghost made you I mean you could just say this is ghost, the verdict of my uh, my grandpa I have to you yeah. have to take my last name <laughs> I know but uh but I never like having a wedding was never something that was like a thing in my life it was never like I dreamt mm-hmm. of my wedding day or dress or whatever but when a couple like in early 2018 one of my best friends got married and her husband took her last name and it just got me thinking of like it was in the middle you know it was like Mm -hmm. all the me too stuff was happening we're going through this reckoning and I was just like yeah this is like the most basic fucking shit like (laughs) we literally the patriarchy literally will not be dismantled until we can at the very least Mm. stop being literally absorbed by men when we marry them and taking their last name. So I was like thinking about it, joking about it. It was just occupying my mind. And I kind of joked with Dan and I was like, if we ever got married, like, would you take my last name? And he was like, yeah, but you'd have to like, you know, put a ring on it, obviously. And I was like, yeah, of course I would. So like one night I go on like Kay'sJewelers.com. I'm like wasted and at a bar with my friend, the one who like her husband took her last name. And I like bought a ring. I based it. Dan was previously married for a bit. You found his Pinterest board and then you, uh, you know. I, no, I, I found his, I had his old assistant, I had his assistant find his old wedding ring mm-hmm. and I got it sized. And I ordered a, a ring on Kay's Jewelers that says Dan Harmon. I mean, sorry, Dan Heller on it. <laughs> and we went to Tahiti for a trip. And I didn't tell anyone I was going to do it. I was like, I'll see how I feel when I get there. Like, if I'm annoyed with him, I'm not going to propose. Like, I don't want to be <laughs> on anyone's, like, time schedule or, like, have anyone expecting anything. And then we were in Tahiti. We were having a great time. And I, like, took him underwater. We were staying in this, like, amazing bungalow thing. I took him under. And I have it all on video and I like proposed and, and we're getting married as soon as there's a vaccine. That's so but sweet no and so okay. thoughtful. And when you were saying all that, I know this is sort of a, just a joke, but um, it almost feels like in the beginning when you're saying you're looking for him for validation and you had all these insecurities and then through the show you found, you know, you could trust yourself. It's almost like he was the sex doll too, because he was who you projected the insecurities. And, you know, I mean, it's sort of this extension of all these things you wanted to be, but you were, I mean, you are a writer, you are all these things. And he's just further. And and interestingly, I think, you know, the way the show turned out, which brings me delight is that like the character of Dan is the least important (laughs) character of the show. It's really just about Cody and Barbara slash Mm -hmm. Cody and herself. Um, But like, that was really important to me too, was just keeping it. And I, 
you know, when I first wrote it, I kept our real names in because it was just intended to be this sort of sample script. And I was like, Mm -hmm. as someone who had hired writers in the past, I know how often you get a, you know, stack of scripts on your desk and they all sort of bleed into one another and they're all sort of the same. And I was like, if you have a script that says Dan Harmon's name, like there's a chance that you might be like, oh, this is weird and fucking interesting. I'll read it. So I kept our names in. And then, you know, years later when it wound up getting made, I was going to change the names. And then Anna Kendrick was the one who was like, no, we should leave the names. It's so cool. And I was like, okay, I guess so. Yeah. And we left the names in. Um, and then that was a total, just like hilarious trip in and of itself, (laughs) just because we'd be like on set and Anna's playing me and the wardrobe designer who's incredible, Beth, um, Morgan, she really like took in what my aesthetic was and like Anna would show up on set one day and we'd be wearing like the same, we'd be like like, at video village, she'd come out of her trailer and I'd be like, we're wearing the same exact fucking outfit. That's Um, so funny. So that was fun. Yeah, I and was going to say, because this is the first time I'm meeting you on uh, Zoom, but I've watched the show and then, you know, obviously Anna plays you in the show, but right away I was like, oh, yep, yeah, I can see that. You can so, kind of see it. Yeah. You can kind of see it. We got small foreheads, thin lips, thin upper <laughs> lips. We were very, we were like in our first meeting, we were like, what are the things that we're insecure, that we're both like share insecurities about that we can like make fun of? Because that's my whole thing. And, you know, she's obviously very, very slim. But when I first wrote it, I wrote it with all these kind of fat jokes because the sex doll is obviously going to have this perfect body. And, you know, I originally kind of thought I was going to play myself. And I was like, you know, I got big pendulous breasts and like it's a very different look than a sex doll. But when I met with Anna, we had this conversation where it was like, yeah, literally every single woman, even like the most perfect skinny whatever idealized like whatever version of what we think is supposed to be the best body even those women look at Mm -hmm. themselves in the mirror and have fucking issues so like I we decided to keep the fat jokes in and it made it funnier to me that to have this sex doll who's like making fun of Anna who's so clearly (laughs) so skinny Uh but like having these fat jokes in just made me laugh all the more I feel like that's the nuance. Yeah. When it's created by like, it's authentic. Like you, you make that joke. It doesn't feel like fat shaming, but if this was all written and directed by men, it, it would be questionable of like, are you perpetuating a stereotype, which you are part of creating, but it's also like talking about shining the sunlight on truth. Um, we shouldn't just ignore the fact that people have these insecurities. So I think that's why it's so important to let women tell these stories that are honest and personal because it, it yeah. does feel different. It doesn't feel like a guy making a, you know, an easy punchline of calling a woman fat because it's yeah. actually and, in her head. And what was really cool was, you know, Quibi and Whip, who was the, the studio, they were so supportive. And like, from the beginning, I was like, look, I really want to hire as many women department heads and women in general on this crew as possible. Like I really want, I've worked on so many sets where like, there's so many fucking dudes and that's fine. (laughs) But like, I want to try to do things differently for this. It's a female centric show. It deals with a lot of like intimate personal things. I want the women to all feel comfortable. I don't want it to be a weird environment. So we really went and found all these incredible women and it was a, you know, predominantly female department head and crew and cast the whole thing. But now it's really interesting because now I'm like after the the revolution and BLM and all that I'm like yeah they were pretty much all white I fucked up you know like all these things and I'm learning and I'm growing and but it's like I, I'm so grateful for for the chance to be able to have the privilege to be like okay yeah I tried to do this good thing I did part of a good thing but like there's so much more work mm. to be done and now if I'm lucky enough to have another opportunity to show run and be the leader of a show that will be a priority is it it's not just about women uh it's about making sure that it's marginalized people it's everyone taking up space and everyone being a part of it because that's the future and i'm hopeful and i'm feeling like that's where everyone at least all the people that i like are, <laughs> are in that headspace right now so it feels like a strange time because of quarantine and we don't know when productions are going to start up but also a hopeful time in terms of like this is the time for a revolution and a change mm-hmm. and to finally do something about this stuff that has just been rotting away at our culture for way too long. Well, thank you for saying that. I feel like that's um, really, I mean, I want to recognize that that's really hard to say because it's like, 
yeah, we are also dealing with a struggle of your own. So even saying something like that is so honest. And I feel like it's really hard to do, you know, like just to, you know, call that out. And oh, here, here's another <laughs> secret. Here, here's another secret that's like shameful, really, truly shameful, but I'll, I will admit it. So in the show, you know, it's semi, semi autobiographical. There's not that many characters. It's me, Dan, the doll. And mm-hmm. then like, there's not that many other characters, but one of the other characters is my therapist, which is loosely based on my real life therapist. And my real life therapist is not black. She's a white Jewish woman. But in the show, I was like, well, I don't want it to be all white people. Mm. I want some diversity. So this seems like a perfect role to cast a black woman or a person, a person of color. um, Because it's one of the only other, literally one of the only other roles Mm -hmm. available in the show. It's such a small show. So we found this amazing woman. She's an incredible actress, but um, this woman who's black played the role of the therapist. And as soon as the show, before the show came out, I was on Twitter and I saw this article that was about like how the, the, the this is a trend that there's a trope of black women playing therapists on TV shows. And it's like the new, like mammy it's like it's like they don't have their own agency they don't have their own stories they're literally there to service the stories of the white protagonist and i was like holy fucking shit i completely without intending to Mm -hmm. did this did not mean to at all like truly was just coming from a place of like i want to cast a a a diverse person for this role because there are so few roles Mm -hmm. but in doing so fell for this thing of like now i'm like no that was not my intention at all but like it's true so it all of this is just like making me do so much self-reflection and thinking and wanting to be better and wanting to Mm -hmm. do better and wanting to uh be part of a better world yeah i mean that's such an uh, important like thing to look at yourself but also look at the big picture right because that trope I mean I am aware of that trope but I think it also speaks to a bigger issue of there's not as many works being created by people of color which in this situation it's your show and it's you so you did what you could in this version but on a bigger level for the whole industry then they should also be giving you know a a black woman the show to write and then in her story she would be the main character and then so that's sort of what happens when it gets bottlenecked but um but it is hard to look at a piece without looking at the whole so sometimes we just want to say well since I didn't do this whole thing and you didn't you know you you obviously didn't walk in and say this is how I want everything to be um but I think that's what I love about technology I think we're I mean you're ahead of your time talking about the sex doll and, and it's incorporating therapy and all this because I think we're going to see a lot more of um these kinds of shows and in drama too but it's a step towards this is where I get really like you can tell I love bots where it's a step towards the right direction the technology first has to exist and then we figure out how to use it like um full disclosure my original like dive into bots was like a few years ago I um had written a pilot about very different from yours but it was about a sex bot turned therapist and it's a basically was to try to say like men created robots and they're scared of the singularity because they don't like when something they create has autonomy which is how they treat women in life because yeah. when we all started talking they're like well, you didn't like the thing that i did to you for decades yeah. so i i feel like the technology is not bad it's just forcing us to look at ourselves and you did it really well because she literally learns about herself through this friendship. So I think it's an incredible show. And I think you take an angle on technology and I know it's not bots, but on sex dolls that I haven't seen in a lot of the, uh, the male driven shows. So I really love that. Thank you. That means so much to me. I truly. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I guess a final thing before we go, just for fun, if you outside of this world, if you um, were to create a bot based on you now, it, doesn't have to be a sex doll just like a, a you know a mannequin doll what would be the defining character or characteristic i feel like characteristic um, trait is the pr- proper word like is it does she is she humanoid looking or can be literally be anything <laughs> i guess she can be anything i guess this is like if we're sitting in mattel like pitching the cody doll what is what is the cody doll's trait i think think she is able to like 
handle all of her various like uh weed alcohol (laughs) all of her various vices she's able to handle in a way where you're like oh my god she's always like perfectly buzzed to the point where she's (laughs) socially like fun but not belligerent and fucked up like she can always maintain that perfect level of uh fucked upness that's (laughs) that's, like enjoyable to be around that sounds like a great superpower just perfect amount of fun and just I mean I can't do that so I feel like I would buy that doll um thank you so much Cody is there anything I mean obviously everyone should go check out dummy which is out on Quibi do you want to tell the listeners um where your socials or anything else you want to plug Oh, sure. You can check out my uh, my Instagram. My handle is normal Heller, like normal, like a normal <laughs> person. Normal Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R. And there is there is a highlight in there that I do think is worth mentioning. Part of um, when I started shooting Dummy, I had this like joke. Whenever I work on any show, I kind of like come up with like a jokey show within a show that I'll like, you know, just lots of fun shenanigans come out of it but I had this joke that I was like trying to get Anna Kendrick to follow me on Instagram and so I would shoot these little like in between scenes I'd be like here let me get this shot um to this day Anna still has not followed me on Instagram (laughs) even though we're like legitimately friends like we went on a vacation together before quarantine like we are friends but she still has not followed me but I have a highlight I think it's called trying to get Anna Kendrick to follow me on Instagram or just Anna Kendrick but it's worth it's worth watching. It's you can see some behind the scenes of what it was like being on the dummy set. Um, and yeah, watch dummy. And you know, for anyone who's like really hating on Quibi in a big way and has a problem with paying for the subscription, like hit me up over DM. Be honest. Don't be like a piece of shit because <laughs> there's bigger causes to donate to right now. But I will. I will pay for a month's subscription to anyone who like genuinely wants to check out Dummy but does not have the means to pay for an extra thing right now because I realize we're in a pandemic and there are a million streaming services and everyone has their things going on. But I do really want people to check out the show and I hope people like it. And if they don't, that's cool too. Um, Don't be too mean on Twitter or Instagram about it. I feel like you know, I, people are so mean, uh, not, not about this specifically, mm. but I've just noticed this, you know, I, I, being on social media as a person, I'm just, mm-hmm. I, it's so bizarre to me and upsetting that people are such, uh, assholes. They like, need to get, yeah, they need to have a conversation with their own dolls so they can get all their aggression out and yeah, figure out. Yeah, like, because... why, let's just get a cast on your arm. You'll get the <laughs> attention you need. Like, you're going to be fine, baby. Like, it's fine. You don't need to be mean on Twitter or Instagram. Just, like, get some braces. Get a neck gear. <laughs> that's, um, that's a great way to respond to trolls. Get some braces. Um, well, yeah. thank you so much, Cody. Um, you can thank follow. You, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, um, thank you. It was such a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, it was so nice. You guys can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything pod and follow me at larisa t on twitter and instagram check out dummy 